and welcome back to another episode of No Days Off. Today we are talking about Kyler Murray's contract dispute, the Cardinals' bad trade for Hollywood Brown, the 49ers deciding to keep Debo around instead of trade him, DK Metcalf's future with Seattle, and finally, the Chiefs' chances to win the AFC West. Before we get into all of the meat and bones, we got to talk about some of the news we missed. The Oakland Raiders declined the fifth-year option of their entire 2019 first round, which is Cleland Farrell, who was a surprise pick at number four, uh, Jonathan Abrams, and Josh Jacobs, who was their third, third round, first-round pick. Uh, pretty decent running back to begin his career, but since then has completely kind of fallen off. He's probably about as best as a two-round back, and he was the best of the three. Uh, excuse me, a two-down back. It's just... It speaks to how bad Gruden was at putting together a team. And they traded Khalil Mack to be able to have multiple first-round picks. And it resulted in three guys who will not be on the team within the next two years if somebody doesn't sign an extension or get tagged. None of these guys are going to get tagged, but uh, they're, they're all going to be gone. And Gruden, there will be nothing to show for Gruden. Hopefully there's nothing to show for Dave Gettleman either. The New York Giants decline Daniel Jones's fifth-year option. I think it's kind of obvious. We all saw it coming. Dave Gettleman, if he were still the GM, absolutely would have picked it up. But more likely than not, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to turn out to be a sweet quarterback for the New York Giants. People want to believe that he's the next Josh Allen, and I think he has some physical tools that are nice to to vision You know what they could be, but as far as what he has been, the flashes have been few and far between, and there's far more inconsistency in his game, and we all knew he was a reach in, at, at pick six. Duh. Ryan Tannehill made a headline because he said he does not, it's not his job to mentor Malik Willis. And a lot of people are coming after him for that. And, and, and as a quarterback of the NFL, a lot of the times you expect the politically correct answer, the really kind of like cookie cutter Russell Wilson type answer that we've gotten over the last couple of years from a lot of star quarterbacks, you know, all grace to everybody. Um, you know, yeah, of course I'll do it. Aaron Rodgers has kind of broken that over the last couple of years by being very contrary to what we believe a lot of quarterbacks should do. And I don't, I'm not going to kill Ryan Tannehill for saying that he doesn't want to mentor him. And Titans fans in the Titan organization should only want Ryan Tannehill to be focused on Ryan Tannehill. It, no, nobody else is asking him or asking their quarterbacks to mentor third rounders. It is ultimately Malik Willis's job to make sure Malik Willis becomes a fantastic player. And I don't think that Tannehill is going to be like an asshole to him and just completely write him off. Maybe to a press, it's, it's the wrong thing to say. But, I mean, like I, hope, I, like, I hope Malik Willis succeeds. I really do. I'm not a hater of Malik Willis. I love to have more black quarterbacks in the league. Um, his story, I feel really bad that he got all dressed up in a suit. And then they basically just, everyone passed on him in the first round. And he had to wait till the second day to get called. The video of him, you know, crying with his family seems like a very positive guy, as, but he's definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder. And I just don't blame Ryan Tannehill, who is not even like 
Like, does Ryan Tannehill even have much to teach? He's not a made man. He needs to focus on him and making sure he can be a starting quarterback, not train the next guy to be a starting quarterback. I kind of get it. Kyler Murray's agent put out this huge list of reasons why he should have another contract in Arizona and why they should look to him to be a franchise cornerstone for them. Stating his stats, his yards, um, some kind of just other mumbo jumbo. It was like a thousand page or a thousand word dossier of why he needs to be, you know, why we should view him as this great quarterback. Nowhere in the letter did they mention playoff wins, MVPs, or divisional titles as far as things that he has actually accomplished. Not once have the Arizona Cardinals won their division. Not once have the Arizona Cardinals won a playoff game. Not once have the Arizona Cardinals sniffed a Super Bowl underneath Kyler Murray. And they know that they do not have much ground to stand on. Some fans think you should. I don't like the pedal stool that most fans have started putting Kyler Murray on. I don't think Kyler Murray has had enough signs of greatness to warrant being paid as one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. His one and only playoff appearance was an all-time blunder. One of the worst games we have ever seen from a guy who thinks he's a superstar. Ask the Eagles, ask the Rams, how paying a quarterback only after only three years went for them. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. At the very least, the Rams made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. And the Eagles won a Super Bowl during Carson Wentz's rookie contract. Kyler Murray, on the other hand, is 22-23-1 in his career as a Cardinals player. And he has yet to throw over 30 touchdowns once in a single season or 4,000 yards in a single season. When you pay a quarterback upwards of $45 million in, in that range, you're asking them to be an elevator. We asked that much of Aaron Rodgers. We asked that much of Russell Wilson. And I've been hard on them, but they've done a decent job. It's why I didn't think Dak Prescott's contract uh, was a good deal, because I don't think he's a huge elevator. It doesn't mean a GM can just wipe his hands completely clean, pay a quarterback $40 million and say that, you know what, Go, go for it. It's on you. They have to put a good team. And I think the Cardinals are trying really hard to appease Kyler Murray as if they haven't already built a ready-to-win franchise over the last three years. They're able to build such a good roster because of the cost-controlled rookie contract set by the league that he has. He cannot look at the other contracts around the league and say, well, Derek Carr is getting paid $30 million. Well, look at Ryan Tannehill's contract. Look at Patrick Mahomes' contract. The only He is not looking for a second contract or a, a third contract. He is not being spurned by the Cardinals because of a low-ball contract that he had received before. He, we are not tearing up a contract that he signed in free agency. The, the, the money that he's making is set by the league. 
being a number one overall pick, and he's only three years into that. I think Steve Kime is a good GM, and they're trying really hard to keep Kyler Murray happy. That Hollywood Brown trade is an all-time bad trade. If the Ravens could go back in time and redo that pick, Hollywood would not go in that spot for them. Think of a list off the top of your head of all of the receivers that have been traded for a first-round pick. Dallas did it for Amari Cooper. Pretty good. The Browns did it for Odell Beckham Jr. Tyreek Hill just got traded for a first-round pick to the Dolphins. Devontae Adams feels like a no-brainer, got traded to the Raiders. A.J. Brown got traded five minutes after the Cardinals made their trade to the Eagles. And once upon a time, Randy Moss. What do those people have in common? They are top flight receivers. If I were to call the Ravens as a GM, I would have said, here's a third rounder. Here's a bag of chips, Fritos. Take it or leave it. The moment you trade a first round pick for a player, you're basically saying they're one of the 15 best guys at that position. And most of those guys demand a massive contract. And I think like Hollywood Brown has a lot to prove. Kyler Murray still has a lot to prove. And he's threatened to hold out if he doesn't get this contract. I would absolutely call his bluff if I'm the Cardinals. This would kill his career trajectory if he decided to not play this season. Miss an entire season. Think of the other quarterbacks who are paid three years in. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Deshaun Watson sat out because of a terrible team that they put around him. But he was pretty much, as a quarterback, a sure thing. The off-field stuff slowed down his trade. But as a football player at that time, he was a pretty sure thing that you could put $40 million into. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen were exactly a sure thing that they could put their money into. There is no way he should sit out. If anybody around him is telling him that he can bet on sitting out, that he is a sure thing, they are dead wrong. And even if he does sit out and the Cardinals do decide, you know what, we need him. Say after six games, they need him. They get him on a contract or they get him one after the year. How is he could, could go back into that locker room, look everybody in the eye and say, I'm the leader. You guys are going to follow my lead. Because I care enough about this franchise. Feels like a me guy move. Feels like a guy who has leadership questions kind of confirmed. I can see the Cardinals believe they have no choice to pay him. But I would not give Kyler Murray a new contract today. He has not earned that $40 million. We are in a transition period at the wide receiver position. For years, and even recently, Jared has said it, we used to say that receivers and running backs were a dime a dozen. Get get some in, get some out, find sweet guys in the second, third round, just kind of plug them in, who cares? But now everybody wants one. The Bengals get to the Super Bowl with Jamar Chase. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers have an insane connection. Tyreek Hill 
and Patrick Mahomes were one of the best one-two punches in the league. So everybody wants their hands on a superstar wide receiver. And Debo has been very adamant that he does not want to play for the 49ers. One reason or another, until we really know what the details are, and he he comes out in here and tells us from him himself or his agent, we're kind of just guessing on what it could be. It would be really easy for the Niners, if you were the Niners GM, to take your two first rounders and just run, sleep tight, draft some other sweet players, and, and move on. Detroit offered a first and something else. The Jets offered pick 10 for him. And both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan believe they can keep him around and change his mind. When you're a GM, your job is to find sweet players in round two, three, four, maybe five, six, and seven if you get lucky. But most of the time, the best guys are with somewhere within the first three rounds. Sometimes guys fall. You get judged really harshly on your first round picks. We talked about the Raiders at the beginning. John Gruden did a terrible job because that's where the money's at. Those are the, the sweet players, and those are the guys that we know. But ultimately, championship teams are won for having sweet players at multiple positions. You cannot do that with just first-rounders. Unless you have three in one round like the Jets did this year or the Eagles were supposed to have, you are not filling out so many major roles with just first-round players. And the Niners, the Niners have done a fantastic job of getting sweet players across the board. Fred Warner, George Kittle, Trent Williams, three guys who are probably the best at their position in the league, and Debo Samuel, who was one of the five best position, play, players at his position. And I think the 49ers are doing the right thing here. The reason why everyone has been trading for these premier wide receivers, like the Dolphins trading pick 29 uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs for it, or the Raiders trading their pick to the Green Bay Packers for Devontae Adams, is because they're not all sure thing. You would way much rather get a veteran player who you know is going to be fantastic, and you go for it. Garrett Williams, who I love, Ohio State guy, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I think his comps are early Odell Beckham Jr. when he was with the New York Giants. But it, there's no guarantee that he's going to work out. He, there's no guarantee he's going to turn into a superstar or he'll ever be as good as Debo Samuel. So trading or trying to trade pick 10 makes absolute sense. For the 49ers, you got to keep them. And the financials are basically a wash because you will be taking the money you pay for Jimmy G and end up just putting that into Debo Samuel instead now that you have a quarterback on a rookie scale. If he doesn't want to play the hybrid role, I get it. So be it. He's a guy who plays a physical brand of football, but he has been rather fragile. You know, he, he breaks from time to time. Minor tweaks, they add up. You can still find ways to get him the ball close to or behind the line of scrimmage. Maybe he's somewhere from three to seven carries a game instead of 15. He's been the most productive he's been over the last three years of his career in that role. Um, But I bet there would still be upside either way, whether he's on the inside or the outside. DK Metcalf is in a very similar situation. 
he has been very public that he's looking to position himself as a franchise cornerstone for the the Seattle Seahawks. And the talking heads in the sport world ultimately don't like players who just dye their hair. They they ripped Odell Beckham Jr. for it when he had the mohawk and it was blonde. So they label him as a diva. Listening to Metcalf talk in interviews and talk after the rush trade, it seems like he's taking his position or trying to position himself as a franchise cornerstone very seriously. And I'm, pr- I'm super proud of him for that. The moves the Seahawks have been making feel like they're ready to compete now, you know, with the absence of a quarterback. They'll, they'll be competitive, but ultimately they'll do what the Rams did or they'll try to do what the Rams did and trade for a guy that can elevate their team and possibly win a championship. Pete Carroll is old, like 70. He's the oldest coach in the league. They're not going to rebuild. It makes sense to keep DK around. There's a chance Pete does trade him. He has been a little cutthroat. He let Bobby Wagner go without really telling him. But you can't just let that flood your head. I like DK's approach to this offseason. I think the Seahawks would be wise to invest in him. And as far as just a pure wide receiver, I compared, I said DK Metcalf this year was one of the five best. I think on a, on a career basis, you know, over the next, if I were to project over the next six years, I think DK Metcalf can be one of the five best as well. Fantastic guy. As long as he is focused, I think he's going to end up being a top flight player in the league. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, maybe missing the playoffs next year, possibly. No. Right after the Tyreek Hill trade, people were acting like the sky was falling in Kansas City. Some people truly believed that they would finish third or fourth in the division and miss the playoffs entirely. So if you're one of those people, I'm going to ask you this. How many wins is Tyreek Hill good for? Add those wins to the Miami Dolphins. Head down to Vegas and put your money where your mouth is. Bet that the, that the Miami Dolphins will win five more games this year because they got Tyreek Hill. Five picks to one of the best team-building front offices in the league is a huge positive. And ultimately, they got six years, a Super Bowl, those five picks out of Tyreek Hill. It only cost them $40 million. And the Dolphins are paying him $100 million for, no, for nothing that he's done so far for them. This is the reverse team building. We can easily recognize a team going all in on a rookie quarterback uh, and, and using their money on that scale. We see it with the Chargers right now. They've done a great job re-signing Mike Williams, going to get Cleo Mack, adding J.C. Jackson, using all of this free money, basically, to build their team. And now it's time for the Chiefs to find pieces to put around Mahomes that are cost-efficient. Rookie wide receivers, low-cost wide receivers. Sky Moore was the de facto replacement for Hill. He won't be Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying Tyreek Hill is not valuable to a team. He's an incredibly dynamic wide receiver. He's one of the 
two to three best in football, depending on who you ask. But Patrick Mahomes now has shown four to five years of being a dynamic quarterback. And the idea that all of this is out of the window today is ludicrous. He's an elevator. 1,700 yards, eight touchdowns in the five games he's played without Tyreek Hill. Most TV pundits have graced Mahomes as being one of the best throwers of the football we've ever seen play the game. He has made it to several AFC Championships games. He threw 50 touchdowns in a season and won the MVP. And he won the Super Bowl within three years of his starting career. The Chiefs offense is definitely going to change. Patrick Mahomes is going to have to play more in structure. Hill was the perfect complement to Mahomes uh, of his off-script ability. But look at all the rosters and the coaching staffs in the division. Does structure completely destroy the, the Chiefs? Brandon Staley, two years as a head coach. Objectively, un- he's going into his second year. It's been objectively underwhelming last year with a complete meltdown in the playoffs in the final minutes. Nathaniel Hackett wasn't even the play caller in Green Bay, first-year head coach. Josh McDaniels, really good offensive coordinator. He was a former head coach, but that was a complete meltdown. He flaked out on the Colts job when he got it. Practically, you know, given the time in between, he is a first-year head coach again. Andy Reid, 20 years. 20 years as a head coach, nine with the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Let's say coaching doesn't matter. It's all about the quarterbacks. We love talking about the quarterbacks. Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. One playoff appearance. Zero wins. Justin Herbert. The heir apparent to the quarterback throne. Zero playoff appearances. Zero wins. Russell Wilson. All hail Russell Wilson. He has not made it past the divisional round once since their Super Bowl. Wait a minute. I thought he was a force multiplier. The the lackluster playoff record would suggest otherwise. In Patrick Mahomes. The four-time AFC champion. Or he's been to four AFC championships. He's won a Super Bowl. He has done more than all of these quarterbacks combined. Offensive lines. We love the trenches. You build through the trenches, build your front seven, you know, get your get your starting left tackle. That's how you build a team. Okay. Raiders. 28th ranked team according to PFF last year. Okay. It's pretty bad. Only four teams worse than you. The Broncos. Can't be that bad. Twenty or 19th. They're the 19th ranked team, according to PFF. Chargers. We like the Chargers. Up and comers. LA, West Coast, Hollywood. The 10th ranked. So they're top 10. That's pretty good. The Chiefs. The 5th ranked offensive line so next year they're going to have the best offensive line in the division they'll still have the best quarterback in the division 
and they'll have the best head coach in the division. What are the categories that the other team are leaps and bounds better than the Chiefs? Because right now it looks like the Chiefs are leaps and bounds better than everyone else. Shiny new things, I know. We love it. But just because it's new doesn't mean it's any better. It doesn't mean the Broncos are now the Super Bowl favorites. Tom Brady, Brent first year, goes to Tampa Bay, wins the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford, first year, goes to LA, wins the Super Bowl. We used to think second-year quarterbacks were the favorites for MVP, and that died pretty quickly as well. Just because it's shiny, just because it's new, doesn't mean that the Broncos are going anywhere. Doesn't mean that Brandon Staley is going to completely transform the way he calls games. And it doesn't mean that the Raiders are not still the Raiders. That's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at lunchpailguys underscore, as well as subscribe to us and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Every week, Jared tweets out our schedule. We're going to have episodes of our five-man podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Jared and I will be working hard to make sure that um, our no, no days off and pit stop shows come out on a regular basis as well. Thank you.